Laughing no, to start hear the show. Me. Welcome everybody to the always professional Associated Firefighters of Illinois podcast. I've been informed that this is now season four, episode one. That's Merry right. New Year and have a wonderful, hopefully everybody had a good 2023 New Year's Eve. Was not too hungover on January 1 of 24 and we're looking forward to a wonderful 2024. So here we are, season four, episode one. Are you going to introduce yourself for the record? Is that we got to do that now? We've been on here on well, the episode. They, they want to know like, who's for the record. Luke's left All right. Timmy. Timmy. I'm sure you guys got a lot out of the Instagram changing the name. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I hope that helps some people. Right. You're going to be your Help. Insta famous. Yeah. Helps you avoid jail time. By having the correct name on your Instagram handle. <laughs> your Instagram handle. Well, I mean, everybody's Instagram names are so accurate worldwide. I mean, it would make sense. Yes, yes. We got uh, Kurt with us. Hi, Kurt. Good morning. Dirty Curdy. Dirty Curdy. Dirty Birdie Curdy. Kurt is in the studio after much of Jerry talking about him. Well, I mean, he's a legend. What's there not to talk about? Look at him. Now president emeritus of Local 56. Correct. How many years did you do as uh, president of Fighting 56? How many years did you and I fight the city of Streeter together? That was only about four years. So how many years were you all in? Fifteen. Oh, you were president, president of Streeter for 15 years? In 2009, yeah. I don't know that what that's like. You are either the most dedicated or they're <laughs> dumbest. The, the, yeah, I'm not sure which way to go with that. No shit, yeah. man. That's a. Those guys are... Fortunate time. to have you. That's an impressive that's a, run. That's an impressive that record. A good, it was a good run. And then you were, what were you before president? I was vice president for two years. So 17 years on your yeah. board. That's how many? So how many years all, like, so you, so you were 17 years as president or vice president out of how many years on the job? 21. So what you got like vice president was four years in? Four and a, yeah, about four and a half years, yeah. Man, you have been fighting the fight down there for a long time. It's been fun. Yeah. Well, we went through some super fun. We did. Yes. Uh, Who's the new president? Uh, Ed Levy. Does Ed live it, listen to the podcast? I would hope so. I hope he does. Is Charlie, he, he might have We're talking own. about him right now. He better listen. Come he, on, Ed. He might have Jesus. his own podcast. I think he did it one time. Well, he's also gonna... see. I left right before. I left right before Jerry's friend is retiring. Um, he's retiring. I heard in March. Indicator, <gasps> leaving us. Oh, right. Yeah, Scott. Wait. Yeah, Scott. Yeah, I heard he was retiring. He was hanging it up. Are you serious? Yeah, that's the rumor. Responsible for Streeter's first in the state substitute act ruling. Thank you very much. Is that the rumor? I've not heard from the Fighting 505 guys in the yeah. last couple of weeks, yeah. so I'll have to investigate that further. Yeah. Wish him the best of luck. You didn't get an invitation future. to the retirement party? I don't know that I will ever be on that man's Christmas card list, and that makes me proud. So there you go. Streeter's in the Central District or District 2. And that's represented by. Oh, God. I just wish he was here. Chris Coates. Yeah, Chris so, Coates here. Chris is, yeah, I wish he was here. He's so handsome. He's just always so put together. He's basically the Cary Grant of our AFFI generation. He's just a. Say hi, Chris. He always smells good. Oh, he's you here. You need glasses. <laughs> 
I'm pretty sure most of our listeners don't know who Cary Grant is. Well, you know what? That's their fault. Google Cary Grant losers. <laughs> I wonder what the average age of our membership is now. What do you think? Well, I think it's 37. Oh, no. I bet no, it's I younger. bet it's low. I bet it's... 34? I'd go 30. Really? Yeah, we might have to do a data department uh, check a on that. A deep, deep dive. I mean, what your local, you said you were over half tier two, right? Mm-hmm. I think statewide, it's a little bit over half yeah. of uh, the tier twos. So I, I'd, I'd guess it's got to be on the lower end. How old are you? I am 44. Oh, God. And you've been on so 22, three years almost. Kurt, how old are you? 43. How many years? 21. Chris, how old are you? Timeless. 51. 51 with, yeah. with 20, almost 25. Jerry? I'm 46 with 24 years on the job. I was a baby when I got on. You guys were all old. Yeah. Uh, I'm not even on the job. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. You're, it's like an episode of The Office. I never worked here. I was never even an AFFI fireman. I don't even know why they made me president. I don't know. I wasn't. You'll to- totally throw the average off so we can't use you. Yeah. Well, I'm not acting. You're timeless. Yeah. But, I, I mean, just going off of our department age well you just saw us right here oh, yeah. too yeah i mean it's got to be they're just kids that listen i think that's to a good question music. i think we should know we should probably investigate that, i'd be though. interested to see what the average age is. i mean god our department just anecdotally how young berwin it's like mike i mean they're just like mm-hmm. a series of 24 year olds coming in and they should just listen to better music it's the only complaint that i have it's terrible today god that's it it'd be so, nice to know the age i'm here my name is Chuck Hi, Sullivan, Chuck. C-H-E-C-K-S-U-L-L-I-V-A-N, and I am wearing a quarter zip that is blueberry. I said that if I put that on, I'd look like a gigantic blueberry. Like from? Uh, from uh, Willy Wonka. Yeah. That's, that's right. exactly so what I would look go. like. You look adorable in any color. Do you know what we should do? Maybe we should open it up to the membership to see what kind of color they would like for the Ledge Conference. Mm. Let us know. Mm. No? no, Nicole and Michelle typically decide. They just decide because yeah. they have so much guidance. more style yeah. points. Than well, if you wear that down the office, I bet they'd say that's nice. Okay, nice shirt. It really looks good. Yeah. It's good on your skin tone. Your eyes look fantastic. Make them pop. So yeah. the, the quarter zips were a hit at yeah. Ledge Conference. Yeah, if you so, went to the legislative conference, you received a quarter zip. I, it was called Heather Red. This is probably Heather Blue. It, yeah, the Heather Red looked more salmon, like a Rebecca Blue. It yeah. did. Yeah, but I think, yeah, guys would love to, and gals would love to see that again. And we should. Uh, I think that went over much better than the, than the polos. Yeah. yeah. And that's in May. Yep. We May, are the stylish of, the, of all the unions. We are the most stylish of all labor organizations. We are, a, it's a style brand. So that's good. So we want to get into our uh, yep. next the episode here. reason why we're here today. The meat and potatoes <laughs> of the episode. Yep. So, um, Chris actually brought up a good idea for uh, a um, podcast here to educate our membership and, and the timing's did. right. Uh, as Jerry mentioned, we're now into 2024 and we are actually hosting a biannual convention this year in late June. It'll be in Naperville. And we thought it'd be appropriate to, you know, educate the membership on the different timelines, what convention's about and how it all works. So we're going to, I'm going to give up my seat to Chris and you gentlemen are going to kind of go over the parameters and timelines. I think timeline is probably the most important part off the bat. But what convention's all about and get people excited to look forward to convention here in Naperville. Naperville will be a great host. 
Oh, yeah. I know. I know they're looking forward to it, and it should be a good time. Downtown Neighborville, what could possibly go wrong? Sorry, everybody. There's been dead a space. change. Yeah, dead silence. Dead, dead silence. Donka Shane. I feel like I should sing the. Okay. All right, everybody. Uh, thanks for listening in today. The the gist of of where this came from, uh, as Luke said, it it, it kind of came to me one day that. It's been a long time since my first convention. I think it was 2000 in Alton. Um, I remember going. I was brought along by several senior uh, members of my local. I was very interested in becoming active in my union, but I didn't even really understand where my union came up with with how they go about determining what is what our goals and our uh, our future plans are like. So as Luke and I were talking about a podcast episode, it kind of dawned on me that We've had a huge turnover over the last 10 years in, in our leadership of, of a lot of our locals. Uh, most of the boomers are gone. My generation that are close to their 50s, they're retiring as well. Those are the guys that have been leading a really long time. And it dawned on me that it would be a great idea to, to explain how our convention works and, and how the membership actually determines what the AFFI does, they, how we get our direction and, and how we choose to, to move forward, whether it's legislatively, whether it's um, bargaining trends, whether it's how we just how we function in general. So, what I wanted to do was get a chance today to to sit down and and talk to you and explain to you how convention works, how resolutions work, how the membership of the AFFI are sixteen thousand members in how many Chuck? I forget now. Two twenty eight. Two hundred twenty eight locals. Soon to be two twenty nine. Really determine where the AFFI is going. Well, I think that's a really good point because you will have individuals that say. Why? And I've even heard of my own firehouse, right? Like, why does AFFI do this or why did they do that? And it takes time. You explain to them I'm like, well, you guys did that, right? So like the AFFI leadership just doesn't magically come up on its own and from the top down dictate what the priorities are. That's why this convention exists, right? You carry out the will of the people, so to speak. And I think that's like a like a very basic fundamental thing. But a lot of guys just really don't understand it because we've gotten so young. So I guess to start out would be what is the convention? What is the you know, if you had to describe it in several sentences or less what the convention is for our younger members that have no idea what we're talking about, what is it? Yeah, my my opinion of the convention is is we get all of our local leaders together. Um, we spend two two and a half days um, discussing resolutions that are brought forward, and we'll talk about resolutions a little bit w- when we get to the the timelines. But everything becomes before the whole body of the uh, convention by resolution as to what direction we're going to take, whether it's uh, a tier two pension fix. Right. It all gets voted on by the membership that's at the convention. Um, not everything passes. A lot of things do. There's, But there's always good discussion on what everybody feels should be the direction of the AFFI. Yeah. For at least for those two years, right? It's the kind Correct. of the roadmap of what AFFI is required to do for the next uh, yep. next it, couple of years. It gives us guidance. And we'll come in with executive board resolutions on things we see. Um, that's where a lot of our staff came from. We right. saw a need... Um, through bargaining like you and I do, Jerry, uh, out there negotiating for people. It's where the database staff came from, right. those type of things. We saw a need, but we have to take it to the body because the FFI, just we just can't increase what we charge for union dues. So we bring it to the convention. It's assigned a cost factor, which I'm sure Kurt will talk about. Um, it's assigned a cost factor, and everybody that's at the membership 
or everybody that's at the convention gets to vote on whether or not we pass that resolution. And that again guides us for the next two years. You know what this reminds me of just popped into my head right now. This is the school. This is the AFFI version of schoolhouse rock. Like mm-hmm. how a bill becomes law. Good point. That's exactly what this is. We should have had our own jingle. We blew it. <laughs> so, but it, it can start from, so the, so every two years, the, you know, so you have this location, right? So we said it's in Naperville. And the location is set at the previous convention. So in 2022 in Peoria, there was, I think it was a couple of cities that were up or there was the one. Yeah, yeah just one. One was going to do it then withdrew. So anyway, decided in 2022 that 2024 will be Naperville. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think the biggest issue really um, is all of the resolutions that give the guidelines. Right. So. Those resolutions really could come from any member of AFFI, right? So some member of AFFI who is a member of the Belleville AFFI local can go to their union executive board meeting and say, I think there should be a resolution of us. They can kind of debate it on that level and then then determine whether or not working with their district VPs, et cetera, whether or not there should be a proposed resolution that AFFI should do X, Y, Z. So it really is from the bottom up, right? I think I yeah, have that correct. Yeah, I mean, a perfect example of that is the labor history uh, portion of the thing that came out of Chuck's home local in Champaign, right? Mm-hmm. That was a resolution that 1260 brought forward, and um, it you can see what it's become now. Yeah. Um, they're out there. They're doing good work. They're educating our younger members on why they should get involved in their union. And that's a perfect example of a local coming forth with an idea that really took traction and took off. Yeah. Yeah. There's been multiple examples of that. So any local can come forward with uh, and introduce a resolution for discussion, debate and action. But then also in addition to that, like you said, the executive board also has the ability to put forth based on what you've seen the last couple of years uh, as well. Correct. Correct. Okay. What other, so we have the resolutions. Um, I mean, let's go into a little bit, I guess, of what other actions are are discussed or other concepts. Uh, I know that we have guest speakers, all sorts of stuff, but into the um, 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 convention itself, excuse me. Yeah, so I actually, and just to reiterate what, what Chris alluded to earlier, um, our 16,000 members, every member has a voice. And our convention, as was mentioned earlier, is every two years. It's uh, every even year. And based on Kurt might have the information there, but your local has a voice. Uh, We have 228 locals and based on your size uh, determines your number of delegates. And as Kurt pulls that up. Oh, um, that's a good point. Yeah. How does that get voted on? Right. So, again, as you mentioned, an individual, I don't think an individual can. A local can submit a resolution. Right. An individual can go to its local and request and blah, blah, blah. An executive board member of the AFI can individually, Chris Coates can submit a resolution. An emeritus officer can submit a resolution. Um, Go ahead and read it. Kurt, go ahead. So the the constitutional bylaw language says convention resolutions may be submitted by the AFI executive board, any executive board officer, any AFFI emeritus officer, the board of trustees, any standing committee established by convention action, or any affiliated local. And then based on your membership numbers, and there's 
deadlines for that that Kurt's going to get into on the number of members that you have on X number of date determines how many delegates you get. So I think zero to 25, you get yes. one delegate. One delegate. Yeah, 25 or less, you'll be entitled to one delegate. 26 to 50 members, two delegates. 51 to 75, three delegates. 76 to 100 members, four delegates. 101 to 150 is five delegates. 151 members to 200 is six. 201 to 250 is seven. 251 to 300 is eight. This is really laid out. 301, mm -hmm. 350 is nine. 351 to 400, you get 10. 401 to 450 is 11 delegates. And 451 or more equals 12 right. delegates. The Chicago rule. Correct. Right. Yeah, Correct. Chicago and then Chicago right. gets 12 delegates. Right. And yeah. I believe Rockford has 270 members, roughly. Yeah. So they, they would might be have close to 300. Yeah. 251 to 300 would be eight delegates. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so my point is every individual, as Jerry said, you can go to your local union meeting. If there's something that you believe the AFI should be doing or shouldn't be doing, um, you can submit a resolution at convention. And then, as Chris said, and we'll get into it here in a minute. Um, that resolution must be introduced and in a timely manner, which there's another timeline for that. And then it's, um, it's almost like the general assembly at the state capitol. Yeah. It's, uh, it goes, it's sent to a committee that is, um, comprised of delegates and alternates. I don't know if alternates can sit on a committee. I don't believe no, so. Don't Only delegates. Yeah. Um, and then they, you know, hash it out. They can amend it. And then it comes back to the floor, and then every single delegate has the ability to, to vote on it. So, so really that, what you're saying, if I understand this correctly, is that any individual member who's listening to this podcast right now could press pause on their on Fortnite. Uh -huh. They can set aside their fantasy football for a moment. And they can truly get involved in how to make the direction of AFFI better, understand the cost factors, debate these matters, and they can get involved and make AFFI better for everybody. That's my understanding. That's correct. Cool. And it could be, I'm just going to throw out an example, um, hiring a third office staff member sure. um, to do X, Y, and Z. That individual thinks that's important. Then he goes to his or her local union meeting. And then that local determines whether or not it's a good idea. And if they determine it's a good idea, then they enter, they submit a resolution and then um, it's dealt with accordingly. So, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty straightforward. I think it's a good system. I think every other union probably operates like this. And then in between conventions, that's why you have our, our executive board, specifically the legislative committee. Um, they have, by the power of our bylaws, have the ability to, if there is something urgent, that uh, needs to be taken care of. The, the the bylaws allow the legislative committee to to pursue those to things. Do X. Can right. you get into a little bit? So we've talked about the number of delegates, how it works, and then obviously the delegates. Is it it's fifty plus one to pass a resolution? Correct. Um, and then when you talked a little bit about the standing committees, mm -hmm. can you name some of the standing committees so that people understand uh, what what you what is what there is? Sure. Um, Chris Coates is a longtime chair of resolutions. Um, we have the Constitution Bylaws Committee. We have an EMS committee. We have resiliency policy. A 
no, no, not convention. Committee. No, convention. Um, the resolutions, so resolutions, convention. constitution and bylaws, EMS consolidation. Mm -hmm. Or is it EMS and consolidation together now? I can't remember. It's yeah, EMS consolidation. I think is. So there's multiple yeah, there's um, pensions, pensions, um, pension and election yeah, credentials committee, credentials rules for committee, beginning. yeah, an election right. committee, an election committee. Right. Really Saturday. exciting stuff. I mean, do, who doesn't want to be in a rules committee right. to right. make right. sure that everything is? And then there's the timelines to submit your name to request to be on a convention committee as well. There are. And yeah, it might be a good time to talk about the timelines because yeah, there is a, a an extraordinary of amount of work right. that, that goes into putting a convention right. on. So we met last in Peoria, right? The last two, yeah. Two years ago was, yep. was Peoria. Can you, Kurt, kind of walk us through what's happened since we left Peoria? So in Peoria, uh, <laughs> they announced that we opened nominations for locations for the convention, right? Yeah. And can you like walk us through that, how we determine how that works? And then they what were the only goes? ones I think that officially put in, right? Yeah. There were, like I said, there were a couple other municipalities that and were talking about, I think one might've withdrawn. Yeah. And then Naperville was the one that was left the singular local on the ballot. Correct. Right. So they there won wasn't by an acclamation. election. Naperville, yeah. yeah. They won Correct. by acclamation. Correct. So then we began in July of that of 2022, just to reach out to Naperville and start the communication, they the local puts together an internal convention committee. The AFFI puts together an internal convention committee, and we started working with them just to kind of get the ball rolling. Um, so we started. We did an additional site visit there in August, I think, of 2022. A bunch of us went up there. We toured the facility to make sure that the venue was going to be big enough. Checked all the boxes there. And then started signing the contracts with the hotel to book enough rooms and get all of the all of the stuff squared away. So that kind of hit the hit the ball for the venue itself and the local. And then we started sending out our notifications in July of last year. And that is for the 2026 convention already for our bylaws. We have to have that out nine months prior to the Naperville convention, we have to send the notification out to the locals. We sent it to every single local in the state, asked if they would be willing to host in 2026. There's a set of guidelines that they were all provided. And then we turned around and got three back. You can name them. You can name them. We have Arlington Heights and Schomburg, a combined uh, effort, Springfield, and then Collinsville is spearheading Belleville or Belleville is spearheading down south with some Metro East locals. Cool. So all three of those locals put together a package, a proposal, sent it back to us. We reviewed it by December 27th of last year and made sure that everything checked the box and that they were all good. So all three of those groups, locals will be on the ballot in Naperville. So we'll decide where we go in 2026. Cool. But that was all done, all working last year to get that ready for 2026 already. And then what? what is your, so it's January 4th as we sit here today. So from now until June, because we had the, uh, last time we talked about the dates, what's the dates for the convention this year? The last podcast, the, the, the cliffhanger at the end of yeah. season three. June 27th, 28th, and 29th. Right. All right. So between January 4th and June 27th of 2024, what are some of the timelines that people need to be aware of? So the first one is the delegate strength. This is the internal for the office. We will get the delegate strength counted the final week in March, and we'll go through, and it's an average of what your local, how many members you had in your local. 
over the last 12 months. We run an average, and that determines your delegate strength for the June convention. And keep in mind, I know we've talked about this before. I know we do at the office all the time. The active members, so myself, I still work in Streeter. I'm an active member. A lot of locals have active retirees. So those actually count towards one half of a person in your local. So in Streeter, we have 15 members. We have one active retiree. So we technically have 15 and a half members for delegate strength. So it's important if you have all of your all of your membership yeah, up to date. Can if you help. have 20 retirees, active retirees that pay dues, you get credit for 10 more members in your Correct. local when they run those averages. Correct. So, so now would be a good time for secretary treasurers to get with the office and make sure that their rosters are Correct, and that's something so we try to work for on. every person they yeah. have. Correct, and we try to work on that on a, on a monthly basis, just reaching out to individual locals, just making sure they have updates. And it's, it's a constant update, and that's why we have to do an average. We can't just go off the last day you know, or a last month, we do a full year because as we know, we have members that come and go and retire. And sometimes there's a six month window before the, the municipality hired, or somebody yeah. gets hired and things like that. So it is a 12 month, a 12 month average. So then on April 1st, once we get the delegate strength determined, then on April 1st, the convention call will go out and that goes out via email to all presidents, secretaries and treasurers of the local. And that's basically the official notice of the convention, what your delegate strength is, and then that's your your opportunity to start registration for the convention. Right. And then the the local itself. So you know, I'm pick on Berwyn because again, it's so easy to do. Berwyn has you know, say four delegates. Once you figure out the delegate strength, let's assume it was the four, mm-hmm. then that local determines who they're going to send as the delegates and alternates to go vote on these matters. Correct. correct? They yes. get to vote. It has to be a, a vote of the membership on who the delegates are. And then for the for the, the sake of ease, if you have four delegates, then you're allowed four alternates as well. Right. And we can kind of get into that one, Chris, when we talk about the some of the ins and outs of, of working that on switching those people out throughout the throughout yeah, the sure. week if there's something that comes up. Uh, so then we'll have it. That was April 1st. Um, so we'll be expecting that. And then May 27th is the deadline. That's 30 days prior to the convening of the con- convention. That's when all completed registration of the delegates and alternates. That's when registration will close for that portion of it. And at the same time, any resolutions need to be sent in by May 27th to be considered on time. There is an avenue for late resolutions and anything after the 30 day mark, which will be May 27th, then those resolutions require a two thirds vote of the convention, At the delegates convention to put them, bring them to, to, the floor, bring them to the floor and be assigned a committee. Right. So if you have something, don't procrastinate, make sure it's in by, by the Fireman 27th. procrastinate? No, Never. not at all. That's weird. Um, again, on the resolutions, Chris talked about, um, each resolution having a cost assigned to it. So as Chuck talked about before, if a resolution was brought for a third additional staff person, we have to figure out what the total cost of that staff person is. And then there's a formula based off of how many members pay dues, how many retirees pay dues. And then as we all heard before, the value of a penny, you would take that number and the current value of a penny is about $1,100 a, a year. So if it was a a $10,000 cost to the AFFI to do something, then it would be essentially run the math and so, figure out it would right. be nine so and a half cents. I'm picturing right now 
thousand, uh, however many, because we are the greatest structural firefighting podcast in the history of structural firefighting podcasts. All of our unbelievable amount of listeners with their eyes just glazed over where you did the penny equals one this yeah. dollar amount yeah. uh, mathematical formula, right? You yeah. guys for FAE counting on their fingers and toes. So can you explain the cost factor and what that means? Because there actually is always a lot of questions on that. So the executive board puts together a, a resolution that says we want to we found the need to hire this additional staff for all of you to help you in your bargaining or grievances, et cetera. Then on all of these resolutions, and you'll see it on the bottom when everybody comes to the convention, there's either like a zero cost factor or there is a cost factor because AFFI doesn't just from the top down say, screw all of you, you're going to pay more money for your union dues, right? Yeah. There is a cost factor that people have to understand, vote on, et cetera. Can you go through just generally speaking that cost factor? Because I get questions on that every two years. How does that work so people understand where their dues go? So for example, if we have with, of our 16,000 total members in the in the AFFI, about 10,000 of those are outside the city of Chicago and are active members. And then the Chicago pays on 500 of their 5,000 members. Right. And then we have a handful of active retirees that pay, which they only pay half of the per cap. So our current per cap is $22.99 a month. And let's just say we have a total of 10,000 people that pay that. Right. So then we have to run through the math to say if an employee or a new director or a new staff person or an office person is going to cost $30,000, you would then say how many of 10,000 members paying a penny every single month, one extra penny, how much does that come up with? And it comes out to about $1,100 okay. for, for the year. So you'd have to multiply that out to get to $30,000, which would give you the cost factor of X, you know, for an example, it 28 could be, cents or it something could be like 28 that. cents right. per person. So then when you have the entire room of all of the delegates convened and somebody proposes that resolution, it looks great on the screen. Everybody thinks it's a great idea. Then you take a step down to the bottom and look at the cost factor. And then you then as a delegate for your local have to determine whether or not that's in the best interest of your membership right. back home because you're the delegate. You're the one that gets to cast the so vote for 28 that. cents extra yeah. per month per member for Correct. all of us to come in and fund this position. Position or a right. project or an additional committee. There was costs associated with every committee that we have. Um, those numbers get ran out. Okay. You know, because there could be 10 people on the committee and they have travel and meeting stipends and all the stuff that goes into it. It's all broken down, basically down to pennies. Okay. Yes. And that's good. I, I appreciate that. Uh, getting a little deep in the weeds there because I've had, and I, I'm sure, no, I know we all have people yeah. are like, wait, what is this? 28 cents of what? What does that mean? So that is a, it's a very good thing. So the resolutions come forward and they are read out loud, as I recall. And Correct. then, Chris, what happens? So they're read out loud for the first time. So there's a resolution to do X. There's 300 guys on the floor, guys, ladies and gentlemen that are on the floor. It gets read out. And then what happens uh, with the resolution after the first time it's read? Um, be before we get to that, uh, I want to roll it back just a little bit and talk about what a resolution is. And, and since Kurt's talking about the, the deadlines, we're talking about the resolution deadline. So we've already discussed that uh, any local can bring forth a resolution. The resolution may be to, let's pick something easy, a, a tier two fix. 
Rockford. Well, tier two fixes <clears throat> are super easy. You just pass the solution, right, you right. get the bill, pass no problem. Right. right? Yeah. yeah it, it, exactly. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's something that's easy to pick. So let's say Rockford wants to put forth a, a resolution to um, let's let's skip away from the, the pension that would benefit Rockford because uh, they have an inequity somewhere along the line. They can then show us what they want us to do, um, what the background of the story is, and if they need help, we can actually help them write the resolution. We'll help them format it, write it out, and when we do, we'll give it to Kerr to determine whether there's a, a cost factor associated with it, um, and then we would draft up the, the resolution. So once we have the resolution in final form, whether it's an executive board or, or a local, um, we have them, they're ready to be submitted by the, by the deadline that Kurt talked to. Right. So they get, they get submitted. Um, then yeah, fast forward, we get to, we get to convention. Um, once we get to the resolutions portion of the convention, yes, they're put up on, they're put up on the screen. Um, the chair of the resolution committee usually walks them through the background of it, uh, reads the, uh, all the, uh, whereas and resolves resolves and whereas um, everybody's eyes glaze over yeah, to the yeah, last two sentences exactly yeah they they want me to just get to the resolve really quick to explain what that they want us to do um, once that's up there in red um, members can make friendly amendments to it um, as long as it doesn't change the full meaning and intent. meaning of the intent of the resolution there can be there can be amendments made to it um, once that's done it's assigned to a committee by the the chair of the the convention. And then it goes into the, the committee's hands. And that's so like me uh, for the last several uh, conventions, I've chaired the resolutions committee. So they come to me. I've got a committee of 20, Chuck, probably somewhere, somewhere in there. No, the max is 15. Is it 15? Yeah. And then we sit down and we kind of beat it up. We talk about it, whether we support it, whether we think it's, it's something that's even doable. Um, so we would come up with a committee recommendation at that point. Right. Uh, so the committee would then bring it back to the floor. We would bring it before the body. We would go back over it again. We would talk about discussion that was being had in in the resolutions committee, and we would either make a uh, we would make a committee recommendation to either pass or do not uh, pass. Do pass or do not pass. Correct. Right. And then it opens it up for debate on the floor. Um, and we've all been, or not all of us, uh, but a lot of us have been through where you have that debate. You know, you have people arguing for it. You have people arguing against it's been it. been a few and, doozies. And, and if you talk about, I mean, 28 cents, like we were just talking about, that's a significant amount of money. You get a large local, 28 cents digs, a, you know, that's a pretty good hit. If they don't really sure. raise their dues, it's a pretty good hit into to what they do. Um, I can remember clear back as far as like the Decatur convention arguing over half of a cent and have two people at the microphone looking like they're about to come to blows over right. half of a percent. And they should um, have. But, it would have been great to watch. Yeah, it would have been great theater. But it's but it, it is our money. And that's what the, what I really like about convention. Why I really want to talk about it is by this resolution format being this way, we account for every penny we charge our membership at the, the AFFI. We right. have a resolution that's accounted for yeah. all of that money. Like you could actually go back and you could tell a member that we did this. It was passed on this at this convention and here was the cost factor and here's the dollar amount, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And to the committees, which are really, I, I actually like when it goes to the committee because that's when kind of the meat and potatoes of it is. Like right. the committees, it's not star chamber proceedings. They don't meet in secret. Like people can go and like they can, you know, witness the committee meetings and go there and and they're always like really cool. If somebody has something to say, you're always taking, you know, information. I've served on those. They're great. Uh, and then you come back and you put it on the floor and the body is free to accept or reject the committee's recommendation. I mean, it, they, right. they can do it. Right. Mm -hmm. And then they vote. Right. 
and everybody, like like Chuck said, you know, everybody does have a voice. Everybody gets to cast their vote, and it is fifty plus one. I mean, for, for do a convention resolution, and then that helps plan what our and what our becomes, goals are for the next two years. Oh, it and becomes then it becomes a bill. Oh, wait, hold on, wait, you gotta please. Wait. You sure gotta climb a lot of steps to get to this Capitol building here in Washington. Well, I wonder who that sad little scrap of paper is. Wait. wait. I'm just a bill. Yes, I'm only a bill. And I'm sitting here on Capitol Hill. Awesome. You're welcome, everybody. And, well, as Chris was saying that, I pulled up the Schoolhouse Rock song and wanted to share all of that with you until the copyright infringement we get sued. So That'll be forthcoming. That'll be good. So, And that's how, uh, that's how the that, magic that, that's happens. That's how it works. And, and it, it covers more than just things that cost money. Um, we, we do an emeritus. We, Can we talk about some of the emeritus stuff? Like yeah, that's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, right? we have we. I, Kurt, how many emeritus officers do we have? Members that have served at least more than one term on the executive board. Total since 1935. Somewhere in yeah, there. There's like so, 16 so living right now. It, it's really it's really an amazing experience to have as, as somebody that's chaired a committee for for quite a while. When we get into something and we're really getting into the weeds of, of arguing why why things are, we're, as firemen, we always want to know why things are the way they are, right? right. Having we resist those, change and we don't like when yeah, things stay the same. Yeah, exactly. And we have those guys that have the experience that have been around conventions since the 70s and 80s. And they always can provide insight as to to why things are the way they are. That, it's great I, having those emeritus people around in those communities. It's, it's also really great, though, too, to have the emeritus people around because, again, we've you know talked about the, the, the history committee and et cetera, but those guys, man, it, they're really cool to talk to. Like, I from, like, personally, Ron Vineyard, who's local 506, he's an emeritus. You talk to these guys and you talk to, like, the old, like, the Joliet guys and, like, all of these guys and the remarkable labor fights that they had both at convention and with their employers getting us to where we're at today. If you have an opportunity to talk to those guys, they're just so cool, man. They're just amazing. They're yep. really like, like literally as cheesy as it sounds, living history that those guys are able to get like foreman talking to those guys. It's awesome. Absolutely. Awesome. I think it's, it, and I always, I always joke cause I think it was my second convention or so was in Decatur and, uh, I spent like almost every evening in the IARF, the hospitality room. One, they had canned beer. Well, of course. I mean, and that, that, they, it's a game they, changer. And they it's a game told changer. the best stories. Yeah. And, and like a little kid, I just sat there like crisscross applesauce on the ground, yeah. listening to these guys tell stories yeah. about where the AFFIs come and labor, oh, labor just in it, general. It, and, it's so cool, and, man. You know, that's, that's a big part of it too, the networking you can get. Like we all have our individual problems in our locals. But if you're having a problem in your local, I guarantee there's another one out there that's had it. Yeah, for and sure. having you know misery loves company. If we can, for we can sure. sit and talk about it, but um, so it is. It is a great opportunity, like you said. You, I think you brought up a really good point that there's been such a changeover in all of this, where these younger members and and I see it. You know, we see it up when you do like the trainings, you do the ledge conference. I've been fortunate enough to be invited to to speak by AFFI and topics, and I've been doing that for a number of years now. And you can actually look out, and you can you can like physically see the change that we are getting younger and a convention is just a great opportunity for some of these younger locals. I have some locals I'm bargaining or doing discipline for where, you know, a lot of them are, you know, the average time on the job for some of these e-board members is like five years and they get to come there and talk to seasoned guys. You know what I mean? You could, some, some of these union presidents that have been there 15 years, et cetera. So it's yeah, nice. it's, and, as, and as generations change, so do their, their wants and their needs and, 
frankly, the direction they think the organization should take. Yeah, as it should. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And there's, I mean, resolutions just aren't money, just aren't things that we're going to create or that we're going to do new. Um, resolutions can also be written to amend the AFFI constitution and bylaws. If they right. think there's a better way for the AFFI to function just in general, you can write a resolution to amend the, the AFFI constitution right. and bylaws. And that's one of the, the other big committees. I think Lucas chaired it for the last convention or so. Um, and they discuss, you know, altering the, the rules on, on how we do business. And yeah. um, it, it's, it's a complete global look at our organization um, and the, again, the direction we're going to go for the next two years, and it is the membership that is driving those of us that are elected to lead the organization. We're being driven by the membership to do their bidding. Yeah, I mean, we talked. So we talked about the bills, the resolutions, the delegates. You know, Kurt, Chuck. I mean, there's other. I mean, I, any thoughts on that, or in addition to that, you know, the convention does so much more. You've been invited individuals to speak or entities to come in that may be of interest, et cetera. I don't know if you want to talk about, touch on those issues or anything else we may have, may have missed for the convention. Yeah, obviously there's a number of organizations that want to get in front of our, our membership. Um, you know, we have a partnership with MDA. They'll be at the convention. Um, we have partnerships with a number of different law firms, uh, yours being one of them yeah. that may speak on some current events or some case law. Um, we have legislators come in. We typically um, award a legislator of the year in both the Senate and the House. Um, so they're there as well, as well as some legislative awards. Um, so we have a number of different speakers. And then the local has some uh, social social events for us uh, in the evening. There's may or may yeah. not be some evening yeah. social activities. Right. That so take place. I just wanted to clarify again. So the committees in the convention, which are separate from standing committees um, for convention only, we have the rules committee, the credentials committee, the resolutions committee, the EMS committee, the legislative committee, and then an elections committee if uh, if necessary. So we'll obviously need an elections committee uh, to determine where the 2026 is. And then half of our board is up. Um, for re-election every two years yeah so there will be members running for office and then just to kind of bring this to a, this portion of the resolutions to a close and chris is right to be considered on time resolution submitted by may 27th if you need assistance if you have an idea and your local approves of it um, have them get with their district vice president. And as Chris said, we're more than happy to help you write the resolution or all of the um, whereas is, which is probably the most difficult part, yeah. um, why you're trying to get to the resolved. So again, May 27th, that's the deadline. Um, just a few examples. And again, this the AFFI does, I, I can't even mention to you the 8,000 different things that we do. Um, but just as an example at our last convention, uh, the delegates approved creating a resiliency committee, for example. We also approved creating a human relations committee. Um, it could be anything like uh, legislatively making Parkinson's uh, presumptive. Presumptive, correct. Um, and Chris said, you know, we do we do have every single board member goes over the Constitution bylaws with a fine tooth comb before a convention, and there's some technical changes that are that are always taking place. Um, we may have an, a Michael Lass Award resolution. Uh, coming forward. So 
any ideas that you think, even if they're crazy, um, we'll tell you they're crazy probably, but if it's, um, <laughs> you sure you want to sure do this? Right. right? And it, it's, it's important to get it, get the ball rolling today. Um, assuming this will be put out on the air sometime in January. Sometime in January. Yeah. So get your union meeting, talk about it, discuss it, and then get with your DVP and let them know that, um, you know, Streeter has a resolution coming on X, Y, or Z. Yeah. So, and then the wizard that puts it all together, which is obviously the parliamentarian. So that's good. That is correct. That is correct. The magic that's sauce. An important person. <laughs> I so, like the old guy better. So yeah, me too. So what else regarding convention do we have to talk about? What else is there the membership? So it, I talked about the registration and the convention call coming out, um, you know, around April 1st and then having till May 27th to get those in. And just so everybody knows the registration fee there is a fee to a, to attend is in the constitution and bylaws and is set at $100 for each delegate and alternate. And then um, Chuck can talk about it a little bit. There's a $65 fee for any guests that are paid, um, the guests to attend. So sure. some locals do are allowed to bring guests in. We do allow them into the convention hall for the opening ceremonies and some of the speakers and things like that. But so what also we'll do is, yeah, so we'll, we'll identify, and I know many locals are like this, but we'll identify some of our younger members who, you know, aren't exactly, they're not delegate ready and, you know, kind of like your, your double A, triple A and, You'll invite them as guests to be there and be on the floor for when it's appropriate for them to be on the floor, et cetera, to, to really get a feel of it and be comfortable with it because then those are the future, future leaders and they'll come in maybe as delegates, you know, 26 or 28 or something and they have one under their belt, et cetera. So that's a wonderful opportunity for your younger guys. So for any local that's out there that's listening, there is that opportunity that some of your younger guys with a few years on that are really showing an interest guys or girls that are a few years on, uh, you can bring them in and, and kind of have them be like a semi part of this issue so that they can, they can know what they're doing in the future. So that's a great opportunity. I know, I know we hit on the, the opening, the opening ceremonies will be Thursday, June 27th. And, and as Chuck says, is the 8,000 things that we do on a daily basis. Um, the board and staff probably that week will be just so the listeners know, we probably will arrive in Naperville either Monday or Tuesday of that week. Spend the week there. And we spend almost the entire week there in preparation for it. And, and I know there was a lot of surprise last year when, when one of our members was there that it had attended his last convention 20 years prior and would just show up on Thursday at 10 o'clock in the morning for the opening ceremony. But he got to see, two or three days ahead of time, all the work that goes into it and getting the actual convention center, the, the room ready, all the AV equipment that we have and bring in to put on a good event for everybody. So so that'll be that. And then I talked with, with uh, President McDonald from Naperville. They are planning on, historically, the local, the host local has usually done some sort of a, a, a golf outing or something similar on the Wednesday prior to. So as the members come up to travel, they're actually planning on doing an event at the Top Golf in Naperville on Wednesday, so it won't be a full-blown 18 holes, but it'll Naperville be Naperville-ians. Yeah, they have everything out there. Yeah. It's ridiculous. There's, come on, man. It'll be great. It's fair. So they're so that information will be coming out from the local once they get all that once they get all that set, and hopefully we'll have that in the in the packets when we send those out in the convention call, and then a couple other things that he mentioned. We talked about the hospitality on th on third or 
Thursday and Friday nights, he mentioned they were looking into doing like a casino night and having some live music for, for some of hospitality the hospitality. was awesome. It was a good time. I had a great, that city, you Peorians, that local, that place that was wide open. I had a lot of fun down there. And I didn't realize that space aliens travel from Springfield to Peoria. But, they but only one person died in the neighborhood. <laughs> that's yeah, true. Yeah, it's, it's true. I remember driving over from Peoria going, God damn, that town is wide open right there. That was a fun time. So, And also, actually, if you, um, if you either ask nicely or if he thinks that no one is looking, you were talking about the AV. You play some – there's a lot of music that happens in between speakers or resolutions – you might see Chuck Do if a you dance. Add, if yeah. there's a I got a video of you that's true busting a move for about 15 seconds they're like if you ask or like I said if he doesn't think anyone's looking he gets like a little froggy he gets a little weird up there and you can you can witness it yourself and bring some levity to the situation yeah, correct. Good I stuff. mean Jerry for real you mentioned Jerry is the the parliamentarian and really controls. I, the president of the AFI is the chair of the convention, but it is run very methodical. Um, we know there's an order to everything, and multiple times in, in Peoria, uh, I had we, to we, we had to confer to make sure you know motion. Th- th- this is like real. Um, oh yeah, it's, I mean, it's very similar to the General Assembly. We assign sergeant at arms, or excuse me, Naperville will put forward names, and then they'll be appointed. They're making sure that. Chris Coates has his credential. He's a delegate at large. No doubt. He, Kurt's an alternate. He cannot, you know, vote. Uh, guests are sit, seated in the back. Uh, you know, the motion was done correctly. The amendment is written correctly. I mean, so it, it is. I mean, yeah. firemen laugh and joke around, and that's what we should do because it's a hard enough job as it is. But I think that everybody, when it's time to lock, yeah, you, you take it seriously because you are talking about the two-year direction of the greatest, most influential labor organization in the state of Illinois and also the expenditure of union members' funds. And that's, sure. that is something that – um, you know, you hold you hold sacred, right? Because you've got sixteen thousand members putting their faith in you to be responsible stewards mm-hmm. and to pass legislation or bills or create committees for the betterment or hire staff, the proper staff, so that all of the resources are there for the membership. So yes, I mean you you know you it you have to have a little blow off some steam, stress relievers in there, but uh it's serious business, man. You know, it's, it's the real deal. It's kind of the major leagues every two years, right? So it's good stuff. So this will be this year in Naperville 2024 will be the 44th convention Hello. of the AFFI. So for those of you math nerds that go back to the very beginning, and we were organized in 1935, had the first convention in 1936, the math doesn't work out. Yeah. Because World War Two, World War Two, 1944, there was not a convention. Well, they had, I think, just a couple other things going on in 1944. Not too much important in 44. Just a couple minor worldwide stuff they were dealing couple with. A couple small but, issues. Eh. But Mike Kilber from Country Club Hill, Spanner Dad, he's been in all of them since 1936. So <laughs> he's been in every single one. So you can find him in, in all of those. There. Yeah. And so in the back of the Constitution bylaws, we added all of the convention sites and the hosts ever since 1936. So it's actually pretty cool. So I ran through it the other day and I did I did a count so the first runners up for the leading host locals of convention. Oh, this is awesome! As yeah, this three is three-time cool. hosts since 1936 are Champaign, 
1260. Danville, Rockford, and Springfield, all okay. with hosting three times. Hmm. And tied for first with the most hosting of AFFI conventions are Decatur and Peoria. Really? Look at that. Yeah. How many times did Decatur and Peoria tied each? Four. Four. They've okay. each hosted four times. And this will be Naperville's how many? This, this will, be, will be their first. This is their first time. Yes. And so in the count for four, or I'm sorry, in the count for three for Springfield has not counted the 2020 convention, mm. which was <sighs> sort of in Springfield. That was chaotic. <sighs> but because it was during COVID, it was just the executive board and the, the staff. Virtual, I will never convention. in my life forget the virtual convention and how Chuck's hair has grown back since then <laughs> got a great head of hair but it took it took a while took a our while. office looked like a wgn studio <laughs> I, it, it, it. it was awesome that was, that was a rough year yeah on many fronts so final thoughts on the wonderful world of conventions chris kurt chuckley what are we missing please uh please get involved i i think we covered it pretty well um i would just implore the locals to um Try to attend. Again, this is your chance to determine the direction of our organization for the next two years and take the the chance, if you can, to bring your alternates, bring your bring your young guys, your next generation of leaders for your local. Bring them as alternates because it is amazing to see how it works. Um, and it's just really a cool process. And it's, it's, it shows you, again, that we account for every penny. We listen to every idea you have. We consider it. And then you get to determine what the direction yeah. you take is for the next two Because it, it is, you know, it's a, the final thought on that from my perspective is it's sad when, you know, the AFFI has such great involvement in terms of percentage and members that are involved, but it is always sad when you see a, a local or two out there that doesn't, you know, send a delegate, et cetera. It's like, this is the major leagues. This is your every, you know, that it's every two years here we get, we come together as an organization and don't you want a voice in that, you know? So even if it's one delegate, you know, you, you guys, you, know, you band together, you debate what's important, what isn't, but you know, it, you hope that everybody sends a representative and gets involved. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Beautiful. Well, I, I mean, you got to end on that. High strong water work. mark. Strong work, man. Uh, and we'll go from there. So uh, happy new year, everybody. And talk soon. See you. Thank you.